Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of Nothing Better to Do Podcast. this is your first time, welcome to our hardcore version of a fireside chat. If you're a loyal listener, high fives and welcome back. My name is Sean. I run Another City Records. And virtually next to me, as always, is my dear pal, Rich. So, um, Rich, do you want to tell us who we have as special guests on the show yep, today? Yep, I said guests is, with a p- plural S. Yes, this will. This is a we're uh, we're charting on you know un, uncharted territory here. Um, we well, like have a regular a Lewis and Clark. Yeah, yeah, they he did they did some cool stuff. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we have optimal crime. Uh, from the Twin Cities. Um, why don't you guys uh, introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Melissa and I'm the vocalist. I'm Siobhan. I'm the guitarist. I'm Ace and I'm the drummer. I'm Mike. I'm the bassist and resident old guy. I knew you were. How old are you, Mike? I, I forget. Uh, in June, I'll be 44. Oh, okay. Hey, you're still a baby and extra rich. Yeah, yeah. I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40 at this point, so, which is really fucking weird. So, I mean, you know, not to bring this to right, right to a weird start, but uh, I, being being in the, the, uh, the Twin Cities area right now is probably pretty wild, right? Yeah. Not really, actually. A little bit for me, just with everything going on. I don't live necessarily in the city, so I haven't been there first and foremost i live um like on the outer area but i know siobhan lives in ace they both live in the city so well i mean like i live in i i no wait yeah ace you still live um in redacted address correct uh yeah off nicolette avenue um and your address on the pod (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's been uh it was i mean look it hasn't been uh, too crazy around here lately, but I, you know, a year ago, it was pretty, pretty fucking wild. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, the most of the action, from what I understand, is going on up in Brooklyn Center, mm-hmm. um, and that's like ten miles away from 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 me here. So, yeah, it's like two miles from me. <laughs> Yeah, there's really nothing like too quote unquote crazy happening here in, you know, directly in like South Minneapolis or like uptown. The craziness is like it's it's in Brooklyn Center where we literally have like a military occup- occupation of the city. Yeah. That's the craziness. Just want to clarify that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um, I mean, I, I I'm certain, and I'm certain everyone's probably on the on the same page with this, but I'm sure that the verdict that was passed down, um, it it was more pragmatic than anything. I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I think that even, you know, the, the, the cops in, in Minneapolis are like, yeah, this city's going to burn. There's no way we can not, you know, we can't pass a, a guilty verdict. Yeah, it it was, and I don't want to, I don't want to trumpet my own reaction to it too much, especially not being a person of color, but sure, it, it definitely felt like at least a momentary, like breath of fresh air, even though still realizing, like you said, it's like, is this just 
kind of to pacify everyone for a moment or is this going to represent change and regardless there's still a lot of work to be done yeah i mean it's a, it's kind of a mixed thing though because I, I really feel like the, the prosecution like really like nailed like you know like nailed it like i don't like on the one hand like yeah like they did like i can see like that that was a, definitely an element like they wanted to make sure that you know shit didn't go south if it didn't need to um or if they had any control to prevent that but i yeah. mean at the same time like i it i find it hard to like be able to like like objectively speaking like to like look at all that evidence and then say like oh well you know like to to, to say that the, the the verdict would be you know not that not guilty would be even reasonable so i I mean, it was wild just watching the closing arguments where the one guy spent like two hours recapping every expert expert testimony. And then it was just like, and you, you saw you saw it with your eyes. Like there's nine different camera views between uh, the, the young girl who recorded it originally and then every officer's body. Like there it is. And the other guy, the other lawyer shows up like he's the kid that didn't read the book and had to do a book report. It's like, ah, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. he, ah, he, he's a reasonable cop, right? Oh, right? dude, that was every, uh, every other word was a reasonable police officer. When he says, <laughs> a reasonable police officer, a reasonable police officer. I keep saying reasonable police officer as if that exists. <laughs> Oh man. Um, so let's get back to, to your actual band. Um, is, uh, so, you know, Minneapolis has, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. A lot of people look at like heavy music, um, as coastal music, but Minneapolis has a, a strong, you know, history of, of, you know, of good music. Um, storied history for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, can you talk about, are you guys all from Minneapolis and, and, you know, your influences being from there? I'm personally from Illinois. I moved here about four and a half years ago, but just in the short period that I've been here, the music scene has definitely impacted music that I enjoy and is really motivated me. Like my peers have motivated me to want to be in a band. So that's how Siobhan and I kind of we're like, hey, let's start a band. And then she met up with uh, Mike and it all kind of started. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> um, I, I personally, I've lived in Minneapolis, not Minneapolis, I've lived in Minnesota my whole life, uh, but like not even like 15 minutes from the city. So like it's all been very, you know, ingrained in in my life in a way. Um, oh my gosh, what was I saying? Yeah, uh, hardcore scene. I definitely, you know, Minneapolis the music scene, I feel like people, when they look at, oh, Minneapolis music, they look at just, like, Prince and Bob Dylan, or, like, if they're looking more into punk, they're like, oh, the only bands that have ever existed are, like, the replacements and Who's For Do, but it's, like, so not true if you look at the history of, you know, Minneapolis music, you know, especially the hardcore bands that have come out of our out of our scene. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, yep. we don't sound, like, Disembodied or Martyr AD or, like, Harvest, but we definitely look up to those bands. Um, it's definitely been more influenced from my peers around me, kind of like what Alyssa said, you know, the bands that we've been, like, playing shows with and, like, have made friends with over recent memory. Yeah, I'm also uh, from Minnesota and been living specifically in the Twin Cities for like, over 10 years now. 
Yeah. Lo- the local music. I've, I mean, I'm not, I'm not as well. I never really paid that much attention to like the history though, like of uh, Minnesota music, I guess, like prior to like 10 years ago. So I'm not, I'm really not familiar actually with uh, a lot of like Minnesota history, but maybe as much as I should be, but um, definitely for like the past 10 years or so. Uh, as for me, I, I grew up in Louisville, uh, lived there for a few decades, and then I moved here about nine years ago to Twin Cities area. Uh, I mean, my, my knowledge of Minnesota, Minnesota music, uh, you know, like Siobhan touched on, you know, I knew Pascudu, I knew The Replacements, I knew of Prince, I mean, I knew Harvest, I knew Disembodied and Martyr AD, I knew Holding On, uh, but I didn't know a whole lot beyond that, even in the decade I spent before I finally moved here, like trying to move here. I still didn't know that many bands here. I've gotten to know them obviously since living in here, living here and being active in the scene, being in a couple of bands previous to this one. Otherwise, everything for me is unbroken, as Rich knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you make that yeah you make that well known. <laughs> yeah. Good that you mentioned holding on. That's that when we first started Optimal Crime. That was definitely because uh, we were. And our first drummer was a Lipinski, actually. And there was definitely holding on influence that came in there. Love that band. Um, so you guys describe yourself right in your bio as feminist hardcore punk. Um, you know, probably in my time, Rich's time, and Mike, in your time, um, that probably would have been met with some resistance, even in the, the hardcore scene. Um, you know, do you guys get any any flack about that, um, or is that pretty much met positively now? I mean, we all know it's a positive thing, but we know there's a lot of direct people in this world. <laughs> Personally, I don't really pay that much attention to what other people think of our band. So I, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really, I can't really speak to that, but it seems from like, from what my personal interaction with people, it seems, you know, positive. So but I, it's just my. Yeah. Same. Um, I've never really seen a negative reaction toward our like beliefs and our politics, like in what we write in our music, like, I've only ever felt like the utmost support from our music community and just everyone in general. I feel like most of the people in like punk and hardcore communities feel the exact same way as we do. It's just like a standard, honestly, in the music community is just to, you know, support women, support people of color, support um, LGBTQ community members. And it's just something that we're all really passionate about. Yes, I and I and I th- I agree with that. Um, I would say that that's a relatively new um, development um, in in the '90s. I mean, there was always you know bands who would profess themselves to be anti-racist or or uh, you know anti-homophobia or anti-sexist, but there was always kind of a, a, a dudes club element to to things. Um, I stopped going to shows for about 10 years and, and then uh, started showing up again. And it, yeah, it definitely looks different in a good way. 
um, than than what it did in you know uh, even twenty it, years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a cool thing, you know. It's it's definitely cool, and it's you know I, I've been going to shows consistently for a really long time, and it's you sort of it's like getting fat where you don't realize you're fat until you look in a mirror, and it says you don't re- you didn't realize the change that's gone on until you stop and reevaluate. Like, all right, like you know, especially during this pandemic when you saw you saw so many bands just step forward and be like, you know we're vocally anti-racist or we're vocally um, pro LGBTQ rights and pro fem and like your people are just like, this is who we are. And, and you realize how, how progressive your scene is. And it wasn't always that way, which is, uh, it's fantastic to see. Yeah. I, I, uh, go ahead. Oh, Siobhan. Go ahead. <laughs> I was, what? I was just, gonna, I was just going to say when, uh, when Siobhan and I met and first discussed, doing a band together one of the things i told her from the get-go was that i absolutely did not want to be in a band ever again that was like four white dudes or all white dudes basically all straight white dudes screaming about change but not being that change themselves not getting out of the way and allowing it to happen um and that that was a really important thing for me in forming this band and my band previous to it um was that there were you know there were women um you know we didn't end up with any people of color in this band but you know it was you know it wasn't just all white dudes up there and that that was the biggest thing i wanted someone else to be able to get up there and have their voice heard yeah um that's I, I really, when I first met Mike, you know, that was like one of the first things that he had mentioned to me that was important about starting a band. I think that um, the question of, you know, seeing the scenes evolution over time, you know, like for your guys' point of reference, it's the 90s. But for my reference point, it's actually 2010. You know, it's been about 10 years that I've been going to hardcore shows. Um, and this was not even a thing that could have happened 10 years ago. I'll be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I, I think that... And I think it's not so much like an, oh, we're offended or not offended by the fact that you stand up on stage and say you're a feminist band. I think it's a cultural issue within the hardcore scene that like it still exists, you know, as long as like there is, um, you know, going to be patriarchal notions upheld in a capitalist society. We're going to see we're going to see that trickle down from every single part of culture to subculture. And the fact that, you know, there are definitely women who don't get taken seriously in the hardcore scene. Like up until I stopped going up up until shows stopped, I still heard, Oh, well, I don't want to watch that band. They just put her in the front. They just made her the singer because she's a stripper. You know, like I still hear shit like that all the time. It's, it's, it's a cultural thing that constantly needs to be talked about. So I'm glad that we're constantly talking about it and it's more well received nowadays. That's what I'll say. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's, it is weird to to see how the scene can be really progressive yet still so i don't know backwards in some ways and and i think you're right with just you know the the way that things trickle down um you know you're going to have some degree of that element in anywhere you go in any any subgenre yeah, that's that's kind of what I meant by like, you know, it's a systemic problem within just general music scenes. And I mean, if you if you follow Minneapolis music at all, there was a very similar 
um, not similar. It was, there was a very big kind of ousting of, um, people who are sexist and treat women like shit and have had a long sordid history of how they treat women kind of, you know, exposed in a way in the hip hop scene here in Minneapolis over the summer, like it, and you know, it kind of showed us, Hey, you know, like we have come far, but we didn't come far to only come this far because people are still being hurt in this way. And it can happen in any music scene of any description. Totally. So what are the roots of optimal crime? Like, you know, what what was the origin? You said, talked a little bit about, you know, Mike and Shabon meeting, but uh, can you tell us more about that? You want to start, Siobhan, because I think you and Alyssa were talking before you and I met. <laughs> yes, no, it did, it did kind of start with me and Alyssa, not even kind of. So I met Alyssa um, about, oh my God, it was four years ago now. That's kind of crazy shit. Uh, yeah, so I met Alyssa about four years ago. And I had been in bands before, not hardcore bands at all, um, but I had been in bands before and she had never been in bands. Um, yeah. And she had been like, oh, you know, I want to be a vocalist. I want to do this and that, but I don't really know where to start. And I'm like, you just fucking start doing it, yo. Uh, but the point at which, I always reference this because this was such a fun day. The point at which I knew like, oh yeah, she's got the chops to be a vocalist. We all, a bunch of our friends from Minneapolis, we went to go see Turnstile in Iowa City and she got up on stage and grabbed the mic from Brandon Yates and did like <laughs> half of the fucking set with Turnstile. And it was so cool. I was like, oh my God, the energy. It's it's awesome. She's totally got it. And then we came back and I met Mike through a person. And <laughs> okay, we're definitely we're definitely all met to intermix here. Like this is this is right. I know this. And then Mike, you can enter yeah, now I was because just... you are in that. <laughs> So yeah, Siobhan and I met and I kind of already touched on the discussion we had that night at the Triple Rock. And um, she mentioned she knew someone, she knew a vocalist. And at the time, this is pre-Ace, I knew a drummer who I had tried to start a couple of other bands with and it hadn't worked out. But I was like, well, let me talk to this drummer, talk to him. We got a practice space. Um I had two leftover songs that didn't get used for my previous band. And I was just like, here, let's just start with these. Um, so we had those and, a, and another one we were putting together. And after like two months, three months, that drummer decided he didn't want to do the band. Um, and we were like, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to find a drummer? Because anyone that's formed a band knows that finding a drummer is, you know. <laughs> the hardest um, thing in the world. <laughs> so we we just went on Facebook in the Twin Cities Hardcore Group and a couple other local musicians <laughs> groups. And just like, hey, we've got this band. You know, we're looking to do this. So, you know, if you're some kind of like chud, don't bother contacting us. But we're looking to do this we've got some songs uh we've got some demos of some songs uh and it was really ace and one other guy got back with us um and then ace came and tried out and we just clicked with him and got him on board and things um, that would have been the best thing ever because like his songwriting mixed with the way we write songs it has just it's the best of two different types of mixtures of, you know, different styles of heavy music of death of, Oh my God. Words. <laughs> Definitely. I would uh, feel like took, took things in a different direction from like, I guess where they 
how the demos sounded performed. <laughs> it was just it sounded like unbroken in youth of today if it was just me, like, <laughs> literally um, that's all it was gonna sound like. Well, I mean, the the other thing I kind of discovered with this band and uh, my my previous band before this was like all the stuff that I know Rich knew me from, like Three Nails and everything. Like anything I wrote there, it was just like it had kind of been an accident. I really didn't know how to write until um, the band previous to this, which was called Oh No One, and then here in Optimal Crime. That's when I finally learned how to write not only on my own but with other people instead of just waiting for them to come to me and be like i wrote this song (laughs) (laughs) every time i was uh i would start start typing in uh optimal crime into my search bar it would change optimal to optimus and (laughs) 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 which which yeah, clearly, clearly, Google knows that I'm a nerd, and it's like I'm like, no, I mean, really optimal, not Optimus. We have a uh, Optimus uh, Prime like knockoff stickers, so we'll have to send you one. We have like Transformer stickers. Nice. And knowing what? Mike, knowing Mike, that that was very intentional. <laughs> what was that? What was that band from Erie from the late '90s, early aughts? Shockwave. 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 Yes, I was going to say. Yeah, there, there was one from here. Uh, I never got to see them, but they were called Devastator. <laughs> you yeah, know what? Hardcore band with Transformers? Nah, nah, we got yeah. that. <laughs> I, I literally, uh, I think it was last week, um, watched a live stream of a band that plays in full Transformers. Cybertronic spree. Yes, I was like, <laughs> I was like, how does this exist? How did I not know about it before last week? I am very familiar with that band and I've been wanting to get in touch with them solely for the fact of them playing in costume. I want to know what gloves they use because I cosplay and I that um, everyone else in the band got on me to do a show in costume, which I can't really <laughs> do not, most of my costumes. <laughs> Optimal crime LARP core. <laughs> LARP. <laughs> become a dungeon synth project is that acceptable <laughs> <laughs> that's what i've been mud. working on this whole time actually so uh no shit yeah, what ready to go <laughs> mud <cool. Get> <laughs> uh that would that would be amazing <laughs> uh so wait what what do you cosplay as uh i'm a member of the uh 501st and rebel legion so i've got seven different star wars costumes i cycle through uh i'm i'm just gonna put this out there i don't think i've ever said this on the show i am a greedo focus collector so i have <laughs> i i kid you not i have like three cabinets full of nothing but greedo things and uh i'm i have a buddy in the florida that's in the the 501st that's like helping me get a greedo costume that would uh pass the specs so i can join as greedo yeah, there's a guy here that does a Rodian Jedi. So, <laughs> <laughs> man, we just turned this into a nerd fest. <laughs> oh, I just caused everyone to turn off the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is actually why I, I wanted everyone else on here, so I didn't do this. <laughs> this interview has somehow made me a virgin again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <just> right. <laughs> 
All right, somebody, somebody, tell us something that's not nerdy that they do to, <laughs> to flush this out. <laughs> uh, I'll do. A, I'll do a somber transition real quick. I just wanted to um, kind of give a memorial shout out to my buddy Jeff Brinkworth that passed away this last week. Uh, I don't know if you knew him, Rich. He had been in um, Color Revenge Theory and a couple other bands in Louisville. No, I, I follow Ella on instagram and i saw that she had posted about it but yeah i don't think i knew him but yeah i just wanted to give a shout out to him in memoriam sorry for your loss thank you um so you guys released a uh i it, is it an ep it's an ep right yeah um, yeah. a life, a lifelong fight. Um, you guys released that during the pandemic. Um, was that something you had planned to release or were you just like, you know what, we're stuck in this mess. Let's just release this. So, um, to get new music out there. Well, uh, we were going to release it earlier. Um, so we were going to do, uh, like a weekender tour and we were going to release it then. And, um, and that fell through because, pandemic uh shut you know shut everything down and so then we just kind of like held on to it for a little bit like for a couple months longer before we were just kind of like yeah i guess you know we'll just put it out now and i don't know the timing wasn't really wasn't really planned out yeah uh, the, the george floyd stuff that was yeah. the time we wanted to release it, and we really right. stepped back and said, you know, this isn't the proper time for white people to release media. You know, we need to, as like supporters, step back and give George Floyd like the time and like voice with everything going on to kind of take priority. Like we didn't need to release it then, and right? We released yeah, it at so, a really random time, but yeah, it wasn't. Uh, we didn't really promote it. It was just kind of like, here you like go. I said, like we wanted to do it earlier than we did, and but we couldn't, and then it just kind of, and it was like, well, okay, we'll just set it for this date then, and then of course, like, you know, everything, every everything went kept down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sent it to our distributor before everything kind of happened, and but it was, and it was like, and it wasn't, and it was, I mean, it was just like, I was so you know preoccupied with what was going on locally that. You know, it didn't even, it just wasn't a priority to, yeah. to promote it at yeah. that time. So, but. And that's fine, honestly. We we didn't, we, we ended up really not having a problem with it. Like, and it's not our place to have a problem with that, you know? Like, it's like, yeah. all right, you know, sure. it's fine. <laughs> it's, there's more important things going on. Right. Who did the art? Uh, Jackson oh, Bun. Jackson Bun. It, it has like, it has, in my opinion, it has like, Mad like techie death metal vibes. <laughs> Dude, I was gonna say Hellraiser, like it, it screams like a Hellraiser. Oh, yes. oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> that was definitely probably <laughs> Jackson. Uh, he's my um, he's my boyfriend's roommate, so he we watch a lot of horror movies, and that was most likely an inspiration for him. I'll have to ask him about that. Um, there's a there's a sample in there. What's that from? I know it from something. Uh, which, which one? one? There's, there's, there's two. There, there's uh, the, is it from the Love Witch? 
Yes! Oh my fucking god, nobody has caught that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know this from somewhere, and I yes. <laughs> and I'm I'm like racking my brain all afternoon. I'm sitting there racking my brain. I'm like, I know this. I've I've seen yes. this. Nobody has caught that yet. Yeah, love which. <laughs> and not gonna lie, that was that was a tr- like a that movie threw me for a loop, but I liked it. I love that movie. It's very good. All the sables were definitely Siobhan's choices, and I think she did awesome picking them out. And the other one was um from Jennifer's Body. Which is another great movie. Yeah. Yes, it is. I was like, if we're not if we're not gonna like Jennifer's Body, we're not gonna <laughs> that can get <laughs> Uh, so wait, so the, let's go back to the love witch is I, I, okay. I saw it, I saw it and I, st- I started it from, you know, it was already on and, and I'm like, this is weird. It seems like it's new, but it seems like it's old as well. Like it's something from the seventies and I'm watching it and I'm like this. So then I'm starting like trying to figure out what it is. And, and I'm like, wait, this came out like recently and, yeah. uh, but it like it's it looks like something from the seventies. Like it's just yeah it's from from the feet, yeah the way it, it's filmed, the way you know the 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 writing style of the movie. It's very seventies, which I, I mean that's I love that. So yeah, that's a that. that's a that's a great flick. So if you guys haven't seen it, uh, you know it's a, it's a it's a strange one, but I'm gonna recommend it. It's uh, the Love Witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it throws you for a loop, and then in the middle of the fucking movie, uh, one of the girls she pulls out an iPhone and starts texting, and then you see like a Honda Civic in the back. I'm like, wait a minute, we're not in like 1967 or anything. It's not actually beyond the Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> we're, we're in 20, we're in 2016. Or whatever. I know the exact point. I just, I, I was the same thing. I was like, wait, what the hell? <laughs> uh, so what's what do you guys have? I mean. You know, we were talking before we started recording that you guys haven't um, been able to practice. You know, obviously there's things going on. Um, But um, prior to that, you know, what were you working on and and what are the goals going forward with the band? I think for the goal, goal goal-wise, I think our next big goal was to probably release an LP. um, If Uh everyone agrees with me. Um, We really wanted to take the time in quarantine before things got really crazy to just write, 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 give us some time without playing shows to kind of, you know, develop some new stuff. But after things got bad again, we kind of took a break and we're like, this isn't very smart. We should just kind of lay low. But yeah, I think our next goal is basically to just like write an EP and go with that. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I initially wanted to have like a whole new set of songs because the EP that we put out, we've been playing those songs for like two years over. Yeah. For like over a year. So Lord, um, I can't believe that's been that long because of like, I, I feel like 2020 doesn't happen. I don't count that year. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Right. It's fucked up to think of like, shit, that was two fucking years ago. God, I hate it. Um, but I mean, honestly, probably by the time we're playing shows going to oh, even because I was like kind of sick of playing those songs. I was like, I wanted to play new songs, but at this point it's been so long since we played those <laughs> songs. It's like, you so know what? I'll play those out. actually. I'll play those old songs. So uh, there's, there's one of those. I don't want to ever play. Again. <laughs> heaven Hill. Yeah. I'm done with heaven. Hill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't feel like. song ever. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I'm down to, I'm very much down to write and record new stuff. Yeah, just, write, write, record, um, play out of town because we, I mean, we lost. We had a tour with Fame we were supposed to do that got wiped out by the pandemic. We had a show in St. Louis with Red Bait and Gel that got wiped out by the pandemic. That was the most, mm. that was the most devastating thing to me that that got wiped out. Gel is one of my favorite bands, and to not be able to play with them really sucked. Gel then is then didn't, we have, awesome, yeah. didn't we, we actually, have a? We, we actually have, a, have a Rebecca from Red Bait is our next episode. Oh, awesome! <laughs> Get all the. Getting all the fucking tankies on the podcast. (laughs) 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 I love it. Um, But yeah, it's just so much we lost. I mean, everybody lost last year. Um, But just talking on the band level, it's been been frustrating. Because, I mean, me personally, I don't know how the rest of the band feels. But I feel like we were on the verge of a breakout summer. And we lost it to the pandemic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of uh, cool shit, uh, like getting booked up on the calendar. But, but well, and other bands that you guys were literally—I'm not going to say who—but you were literally talking to at shows, like. Yeah. God, that made me yeah. that those ones in particular made me very angry that we couldn't that couldn't be brought to bear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some some of that may still happen. We'll see. Let's hope and pray. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm just anxious for us to get in the same room again. I mean, yeah, um, we're I mean, we're all obviously in our own homes doing this right now. We've not all been in the same room since like July or August of last year. Well, it was October. Was it October? I didn't yeah, realize October. it was that late. October 4th, I think. He knows. <laughs> I mean, I I tell them on I. I annoy the piss out of them on text all the time because I miss them. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just, I'm blowing them up. They never reply to me, and it's fine because I'm just. Getting I, <laughs> I acknowledge your existence. I love everything that you send to the group chat. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's one of those things. I just feel like I'm being annoying because I'm so bored and alone at home. <laughs> send all the stuff you want. Yeah, send it all the shits. <laughs> Do you guys have the capability to like write things and then send it to each other, or have you guys just been, you know, sitting solo doing stuff? I mean, honestly, I I tried doing that with my other band for a bit because um, my bandmate moved away, from, like moved out of state. I'm just not really a like I don't know. I'm just not really a fan of not being able to get the feedback like right away. You know, like writing mm-hmm. something, yeah, I like and then like sending, like sending it, and it's like, ugh. and like, I guess the limitations of technology, where you're not able to, to uh, express like certain things that you could be able to express in person. So. It it is it is neat though. I mean, that's you know trying to to find silver lining to things. Being in the pandemic, you know, a, a few cool things that have happened is. You've seen a lot of project bands where like people are like, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write, I'm going to write guitar parts from New York city, send it yeah. to somebody in, in Dallas. And then, oh, yeah. you know, the drums in, in Los Angeles. And you're like, 
or, or just one person writes a whole album and just releases it. Uh, you know, you're seeing a lot more of that. And a lot of really good fucking music came out this past year. Oh yeah. yeah, that's that's for sure. It's I just I'm just not sure sure if it's for me though, like personally, like my style of writing. Yeah, I mean just it's being, like being like isolated by myself. I guess I, I like to be, you know, like feel the energy. I guess I get more inspired when I'm like directly with working with other people. But yeah, very cool much. that it works out for other people for sure. Yeah, and I mean it's it's also one thing I know for us if it's like you know, say we had practiced Sunday and we were going to practice again this Sunday. And, you know, tonight Ace like sent all of us a clip of like, hey, I came up with this last night. And then, you know, we go over it on Sunday. That's yeah. a little, that that stuff kind of works for us. But I know we also, I don't think any of us have the capability to do, I know there's some bands that like, do full on like Zoom practices or something. I don't know. Oh my but... God, I would kill you all if we did a Zoom practice. <laughs> I, mean, I love you all so much that I would kill you yeah, if we did I a Zoom practice. I can imagine that leg. You're right. Leg. <laughs> well, I know Nate Newton was talking about there was something he uses to compensate for that lag. And I can't remember what it was because, you know, he's done four or five different things in the pandemic, like those cover videos mm -hmm. that have come out. Yeah. And, um, well, and, and, and as you know, Mike, uh, my wife's a piano teacher, right? And there are people who are collaborating with each other, but yeah, it takes some like special software that costs money and all that mm -hmm. shit. So yeah, I ain't got time for money. <laughs> you, yeah. My sister, my sister is um. She is also a teacher, and she, um, when she records her music as a solo artist, she does all of the parts herself, start to finish. Mm -hmm. She's fucking amazing and can play every single instrument. But that's like, you got to be really in tune with yourself to make music like that. And I personally, yeah, only can I not drum. But that's just like such an <laughs> undertaking, you know? Yeah, it's it's exhausting for me, like. Like I could, I could play everything, but it's just, I just don't enjoy having to do everything by myself. <laughs> I like, I like to, you know, like I said, like feed off of other people's energy. So. Collaboration. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to pull a Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. Right. <laughs> I have a band, but I'm going to play everything on the recording myself. I mean, I've yeah. seen I've seen bands start like that. Like my buddy, my buddy Doug has done two or three bands. He started that way. Like he recorded the entire demo and then recruited members. He'd just pick an instrument he wanted to stick with and recruited the rest to go on throughout the life of the band. We also can't completely knock it because, like, what is Nine Inch Nails? It's exactly that. <laughs> That's true. What is Trent Reznor? That asshole. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, it works for some people. It's just, you know, Not unfortunately. And that's, you know, speaking of it works for some people, that's been a big thing. That's been another big thing I've personally grown on these last two bands and especially this one um, with, you know, the different eras we came in. Um, Cause you know, like Siobhan and Alyssa, like, you know, they, they cut their teeth early on on, Slipknot and Corn, which Rich knew me back in the day when I was big into Corn, but that was like <laughs> that was like a death sentence in the hardcore scene at one point. If you said you liked Corn, people were like, "What the fuck? Get out of here!" Yeah, I saw I saw before like 
before I really stopped paying attention to what he says, I saw fucking AJ from Preserving Hardcore. He said, like, what is it with all these young kids who like corn and are in the hardcore scene? You would never have admitted you like Deftones in the 90s. I'm like, bro, nobody cares. Everybody's growing up. Like, yeah. shut up. No one cares. Let people enjoy things. Let people enjoy things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I liked the Deftones in the 90s. I will just admit yeah, that. Right. I, I think there were a lot of people who were okay with, yeah. I, I don't like any of that shit, no offense to anyone, but like, <laughs> but like um, yeah, no, I don't I don't buy that shit. No, I knew plenty of people who not only liked the Deftones, but totally fessed up to it. You know, but corn, corn was a different thing, and, and it's it's funny because, honestly, I, that was never my, my cup of tea, but I was, I was already listening to, you know, when they were popular i was listening to other stuff so it was you know my age played a part in that but there's there's a definite whole group of people in hardcore that that grew up you know on either corn or bands that were influenced by corn um you know so it's 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 a thing it's it's there it's you know good bad or otherwise it is it's a part of of the you know where hardcore is now and uh so you know, I, I was, I was talking with somebody today about it is, you know, we're not all Freddie Madball where we've been going oh to shows no. since we were born. It, we <laughs> all came from something else, you know? Um, the idea that you were like born and raised out of your mother's vagina listening to Minor Threat is so not true. It's just <laughs> like, I, I will fully admit this is, as you know, I remember being a kid and went to uh coconuts which was like the mall music store with my mom and i bought bon jovi slippery when wet and she bought beastie boys license to ill and and i was like now i look back i was like damn my mom had better music taste than me back then (laughs) so you know we we all come from somewhere oh yeah and even even within the scene though like i've i've gotten better about that like i'll use a prime example like converge like as far as their music i i could live without them but i i'm done of my days of like shitting on everybody that likes them if they want to be into them that's fine and i'm not just saying that because me and nate got on friendly terms recently it's just that's part of the growth i've done it's just stopped like trying to police what everyone's listening to this band, Optimal Crime, very clearly loves Converge too, which is yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I probably wouldn't be playing in in the band if it weren't for Converge. So, oh, yeah. yeah, Converge is a weird one. It's like I I was surrounded by people that like worshipped Converge, and and I don't know. I just like I don't I don't dislike them by any means. I just I'm like like oh man, I'm totally a Converge guy. Like I've seen them numerous times. And, uh, I, I don't know. I just never, it never clicked with me, I guess, to, to be like, yeah, I'm a super converge guy. <laughs> well, for, for me, it's, it's a couple of things. A, like, you know, that's not my thing, whatever, but I've also one that's been kind of behind on the times anyway, when it comes to hardcore. And plus I, I grew up in Louisville, which was always so the hardcore scene there was so different from everywhere else where everywhere else had been like punk rock and metal heads got together and made hardcore in Louisville. That happened when like punk rock kids went to art school and started making hardcore. It was totally different. 
And, um, and I mean, it led to things that weren't hardcore, but people in the hardcore scene there loved like slant, which permeated everything. Um, but even beyond that though, as things would happen, it was like harvest. It was like, I didn't get into them till they were breaking up. Um, same with Unbroken, the band that I love the most now. Like, I wasn't into them until their dying days at all. And even then, it was still another three or four years before I even owned anything of theirs to listen to, which we're talking in the 90s. If you didn't own it, you didn't hear it at all. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy to think that, like, that was the way it was, you know, because when I first started going to shows, it was like the MySpace era. And it was like, it was much yeah. more possible. I don't know about a listen, Ace, though. Yeah, I was I was on MySpace, too. Actually, that's what, the first show I ever played was booked through MySpace. <laughs> I love that. I definitely started going to shows later on than a lot of people. Um, it was about, I'd say, when I was 19, and I'm only 26 now, so it's seven years that I've been going to shows and in that time it's been really impactful like my music taste and my ability to just sit down and veg on music for hours and hours and hours has just been awesome and I guess a lot of my influence from music has come from here and I'm from Rockford, Illinois so we have a lot of bands out there like Joie de Vie and Frail Body and all of those guys have impacted me and made me want to play music even more. Cheap Trick was from Rockford too. The, the Pride they? of Rockford. Yeah. Cheap Trick, <laughs> one of the greatest rock bands of all time. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the the last summer that we had that existed, um, I went to Naperville with a, a friend of mine to see Cheap Trick at an outdoor event, which is weird <laughs> in Naperville, Illinois. Ray goes there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was but it was Cheap Trick was great. Yeah, they're fucking great. They're a cool band. Yeah, I'm not even gonna front. Yeah, what's the point? Honestly. So, did so if I did somebody say that they they got into this through corn, or did I miss something? I mean, that was corn was definitely my gateway into heavier into heavier stuff, personally. I mean, that was, I don't know if anybody said that, but that's, that's true for me. So yeah, my gateway, my gateway was well before that. I mean, I was into hair metal bands and then in high school, some dude was in a band called Falling Forward and like gave me a flyer to a show and here we are. <laughs> it was very much like a pipeline for me. I had friends in middle school, so the pipeline was Molgoth. It was, and like kind of a later Molgoth. It was not only was it like Corn and Slipknot, uh, but it was also like MCR and it was like <laughs> um, Fallout Boy. And it was like not like the, not hardcore, you know, at all, but it leads you down like, oh, hey, you like this? Let's go uh, to the record store and listen to like what you could find maybe on MySpace. And then like you get on MySpace and you start finding all these like scene kid post hardcore bands. And then from that, you discover Hap Hard. Like it was a completely like a pipeline for me. And mm -hmm. then I just, you know, I was going to shows. I was going not only to like to deathcore shows and like, you know, these like post-hardcore scene bands, but I was, I started going to hardcore shows. I started being like, oh my God, who was the first hardcore band I ever, it was Vania. 
Vania is fucking great. You, you know, it's funny you you say that we you did that via the the rabbit hole through MySpace. That's yeah. that's wild to hear because I I mean a similar thing happened to me, but this was well before you know public internet was available. It was, but it was with um, I'm guessing Rich and Mike probably have a similar thing is through uh, the thanks list on the mm-hmm. record inserts, yeah. <laughs> but, it's a, but, it's, but it's a similar yeah. thing. You know, you're, you're flipping yeah. through, you're like, man, I like this record. They thanked gorilla biscuits. All right. I'm going to check out that, yeah. you know? And, and I honestly, yeah. I, I lucked out is I saw sick of it all on Beavis and butthead. And that was like, oh. you know, <laughs> you know, when people are like, Oh, the first time you heard the Beatles, like it was like a similar thing. It's like, I'm like, what is this? Why don't I know about this? It is like unearthing a diamond. Yeah, when, I mean, I was given I was given a mixtape that was Endpoint and a Veil, and then my first show was like Endpoint, Sunspring, Worlds Collide, and the Telephone Man at an at an old abandoned Laser Blaze place in Louisville, and I did just like everything that night. Obviously, just blew my mind and altered the course of my life. You know, to, just to uh, wrap this back to, to Louisville, I just got a ship notification today for my By the Grace of God's re-release records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, and also to kind of go back around to something we were talking about earlier with feminism in the scene. Like, I remember walking in when Endpoint started to play that night and Rob Pennington is standing at the front of the stage. He's got his back to the crowd. He's wearing a skirt with stop rape written down the back of his legs. Um, and, you know, before that, I mean, the closest I had to, you know, music trying to be about anything, quote unquote, political was listening to Megadeth, which, you know, that's a whole other <laughs> mess going on there. Uh, yeah. So there was it was also that of, you know, seeing music used to convey a message like that. But yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think as like around that time would have been like, yeah, the first times, uh, you know, you you heard people, people try to make those stances. So that, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was lucky to have come in around someone like Rob and really the people trying to emulate Rob in Louisville at that time. Uh, So, um, you know, how many songs do you guys have written so far for for new material? Oh wow! Um, five, six, five yeah. or six, I'd say. And I think there were like, four, like four, four. You had lyrics for Alyssa. I actually uh, have all lyrics but one song because I got really bored and then we stopped practicing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish them up. And I did. And then we were like, we're not going to practice anymore. And I was just like, okay, so we'll see how I feel feel about those. But I think I got them down pat pretty well. So this this is probably a weird question, but um, having the big break, and I'm I'm sure you all have been consuming music. you know, during this time, do you think that's going to alter, uh, you know, some of your influences when you're writing new stuff? 
I mean, there'll definitely be more unbroken riffs I rip off for our songs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I just, um, I've been listening to a lot of like faster type music. So I think if we added a little bit of spice, you know, picked up the pace a little bit, that would be really fun. But yeah, faster music always. Faster, dirtier, more aggressive—you know the whole nine yards. It's it's an interesting dynamic because um, you know Alyssa wants to go faster like that, and not that I'm opposed to it, but still, even in the little bit of writing I know how to do, I'm just used to writing slower and building. Um, again, that slint thing comes into play from Louisville, um, so there's always an adjustment for me on that part because um, I don't want to play you know, stuff Alyssa doesn't like, you know, we all want to be happy. We all want to be happy and on the same page with what we're playing. You don't want somebody to play in your band with a sad face during the whole set. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like the cure. They're the saddest Hold band on. in the world. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I like the, I like the cure too. Yeah, but I always think that we're honest with each other if we don't like something like, you know, we, I don't think any of us are too afraid to say anything and there's always a good argument behind everything and why one of us likes it and why the other doesn't, but I think we all mesh pretty well when it comes to writing and I think that we've all done pretty well within this recent track, even me trying to explain how I want something to sound by using random noises with my mouth just being like you know (laughs) do it this way and they're like okay like i guess i kind of get that my favorite moments are like when Alyssa and ace they just communicate in like just communicating like those types of noises i love them it it always it always reminds me of um rich will get a kick out of this there was a i remember specifically a three nails practice one time uh we were trying to write and big time, our singer comes in. He's like, no, I want just do do ba 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 da da And we all just look at him like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> what are you saying? But he just like, he, at the time, he had no, he didn't have the musical knowledge. I mean, he knew what he liked. He knew it in his head, but he didn't know how to communicate it. Like the cavemen just communicating in grunts. That's why they rule. <laughs> yes. Yeah, shout out fucking Maggot Stomp, all the new death metal. Caveman <laughs> So what's the best pizza place in Minneapolis? This is for everyone. Oh, just for <laughs> Man, right now you know, since Pizza Nia had to close down. I guess it kind of defaults to, for me, to Black Sheep. It kind of defaults to them. Minor Threat Pizza Place. <laughs> Minor Threat <laughs> Pizza, yes. If you look up I their really, logo. I really like Bluto. Have any of you guys been there? I don't think oh, I've heard of that. Oh, which one? Bluto? Uh, it's kind of bougie. Okay. <laughs> But that's really good. I also like uh, Mama's Pizza, I think that's what's called. It's in St. Paul. It's more like traditional style, like Italian pizza. Oh, I know what you're talking about there. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tavern style. That place is decent. Yeah. 
Right. I'm not the real Italian here, so I can. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm a fucking Mick. I, I can't. I'm not the authority on pizza. <laughs> when I get pizza, I just get a slice from Slice of New York because it's across the street from me. So <laughs> that's like that's my go-to. I want. I don't. I'm not sure if that's the best, but it's just convenient for me. I guess. I, I like that place because you know, given the name, I mean, it is as close as you're going to get to New York style here in the cities. Yeah. Deep dish. <laughs> no, I like, like deep thinner. dish every now and then. Yeah. Oh no no. <laughs> deep dish is more Bro, Chicago. Style. You're from Illinois and you don't like deep dish. That's a controversial. Thing. I, I live in Chicago and I don't eat deep dish. Yeah, ever. I was going to say people in Chicago hate deep dish. I mean, I I yeah. will eat, I will eat it on occasion. Like there's a rare occasion I'm like. I want one of those monstrosities. I want to eat that. But it's I not eat it. I eat it oh, when no. people come into town that they're like, "Oh man, I want to eat some deep dish pizza." I'm like, "All right, this would be the first time I've had it since like three years ago." But yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and to that point in Chicago, I still haven't been to like Pequods. Like I haven't been to the places like oh, that. Oh, bro. Yeah. Uh, come next time you are in town, we are going to go on a pizza tour, um, <laughs> and and eat the most delicious. You're going to have peace pizza. You are going to eat. Jalapeno and mashed potato white pizza. Ooh, um, it is it is the best. Um, and we're gonna have Pequods, and then we're, we're gonna go to uh, my my local joint, which is Geo's, which looks like something out of uh, like a nineteen seventy four movie. Like everything, it 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 couldn't be more stereotypical nineteen seventies pizza place. You walk in like. The- the high leather back booths and the the red glass like yeah, light. It, it, they, they would, but they don't have any, just walk in, but they have the old style register where you push a button and the number pops up physically. <laughs> and they have like the old, like nylon, like early eighties jackets with their logo on it, hanging from the wall. Oh, yeah. And, and the, like the little magnet uh, uh, calendars that you rip away the pages like it's it's got all their tchotchkes from over the years that they gave away it's and they give you get saved 21 coupons and you get a free pizza it's it's the best so they the guy cuts it up with a giant sword jesus (laughs) have you been to that that um all vegan pizza spot sean um not yet i've uh i was talking with uh dan from race trader about it oh okay okay yeah i've been curious about that there was a spot like that list like existed maybe for a couple of months up like near rogers park that it wasn't all vegan but they had a vegan uh deep dish pizza and i remember getting it one time like on my way to michigan i stopped to hang out in chicago and then the second time which was maybe a month or two later I, I came through Chicago. I was like, I want to get that again. They were already closed. <laughs> I, was, I was in I was in Denver uh, a couple years back and uh, was hanging out with uh, Sasha Thackeray there. I think you know him, Rich. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. He lived in D.C. for a bit, right? Yeah. So he, yep. he took me to some pizza place there and they had a vegan deep dish. I was like, well, I'll split that with you. I'll give it a try. Oh my God. It was like a mouthful of oil. It was horrible. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I, a couple of years ago, I used to have a job where I had to go to Minneapolis for work. Like, I don't know, once or twice a month. And, right. uh, um, 
there's some, I found this Indian place in Roseville. Uh, and it was like the best Indian food I've ever had. It was so good. It was called India Palace. Yep. I go there from time to time because it's not that far from me. Yeah. And it, I do find that Minneapolis has the best traffic coming from Chicago where it's like, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I literally the other two days ago, um, is it? Yeah, two days ago, the uh, the new sleep record came out, and I texted the the guy from the record store. And I was like, uh, "How much longer are you going to be there?" And he's like, "An hour." And I was like, "I'm five miles away. Am I going to make it?" And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, I think about my times in Minneapolis. It's like rush hour, and I'm like, "Oh man, I got to go to the, all uh, completely around the city." Oh yeah, twenty minutes. Yeah. The the difference here though is people if it's more than like a five minute bike ride beyond their neighborhood don't want to do it. That's the difference here. <laughs> well, I was trying to show my wife. My wife is my wife is from the East Coast, so anything from anything further west than like Pennsylvania, like, uh, like Pittsburgh, um, it just disappears until like California state line. Um, it just doesn't exist. So I was trying to show her, I was like, you know, from an aerial view, I'm like, look at what a green city Minneapolis is. It's, it's insane mm-hmm. how green it is. Like you just, the, the, the aerial view, it just straight up green. I mean, we've got a waterfall in the city limits. Yeah. Minnehaha falls, baby. You know, awesome. the, the first time I had to go there, I stayed downtown at this weird hotel. Um, it had like a French name and, um, it was, they had the craziest art. They had literally in the lobby of this hotel, they had a painting of a guy with a mattress on the floor behind him with a blow up doll with lube on it. And he was getting dressed <laughs> and the background and the, like, you know, like the mosaic background was all actual photographs of like topless women. And I'm like, yeah. this Minneapolis is wild, man. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like the lust something or other. Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know any of the hotels downtown because even before I lived here, when I would come to visit, I would stay out in the suburbs just because I was trying to find a cheap hotel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to think of it. I, I Somewhere I took a picture of it because I'm like, nobody's going to believe me what that this is hanging. In. And they also had another art installation that was just bags of like the big black construction garbage bags. And it was just full, tied up and stacked in a in a pile. And then they had like the rope around it, so you didn't actually, you know, throw it away because it was an art installation. I was like, like this hotel is wild, man. Like it's just when you come to Louisville, I'll take you to Twenty One C. It's kind of the same concept. Hey, it sounds like Twenty One C. Like I'm all for modern art, but it was just like, I, you know, it's just not what you expect at a hotel lobby of like an expensive hotel. <laughs> which I only stay at because I wasn't paying. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think the few times, well, no, there was, I split for a, a convention in Chicago. I split like a fancy hotel room with three friends one weekend, but was it star Wars celebration? No, uh, for <laughs> that, for that, I had to stay over near Chinatown for that. I was there for that though. <laughs> funny, funny story about that. The one day that where it turned into Hoth and we got snow, um, yeah. 
as I was walking in, a, a sheet of ice fell off the roof and hit me in the head and knocked me out. Oh. Like they had to, they had to get an ambulance for me. And it was, it was wild. Like, you know, I like, it hit me like right in like the, the neck top of my head. I don't know if you guys have ever seen McCormick place in Chicago. It's a giant convention center. So it, it probably got some good velocity going. Oh, wow. So like there's a file on the, you know, where they had to like, check in after I went to the, you know, to see my doctor and make sure I was okay. Man, that's, yeah, I, I remember when it started snowing, like watching, cause you know, there was a group of us from Minnesota there, but we're watching people from like South America and Italy, like lose their mind about the snow. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's always wild to see people who've never seen snow before, like come specifically to Minnesota. Well, well so I grew up in the Great Lakes, you know, I lived in Michigan, I grew up in Michigan most of my time, and then I lived in Chicago, then I moved to the East Coast, but like, I've lived south of the Mason-Dixon line for over 20 years now, and the first couple of years, I was like, oh, these people are wimps, like, it gets below, like, you know, below 50, and everyone's wearing, like, fucking snowmobile suits, practically, you know, and, and if there's snow they freak out but now i'm that person now i'm just like oh it's you know i i can't take old man rich tells the weather by how his bones feel (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I remember in college uh, like two of my good friends one was from uh like hudson valley new york the other one was from fargo north dakota i'm from chicago and um the first snow we got there was there was kids that lived in our our dorm um one was from Southern California. One was from Florida. They'd never seen snow before. They were like, we want a snowball fight with you guys. We're like, (laughs) against us? I'm like, for real? And we just were pelting these poor kids with like ice balls, like melting them in our hands and freezing them. And they were laughing as they were like, they're like black and blue and bloody (laughs) getting pelted with like, they were having a blast. It's the Ralph on the bus meme. (laughs) I'm in danger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I've had a good laugh this week on Facebook with all my friends back in Louisville because it snowed what yesterday and watching yeah, them. Yeah, it out. snowed. <laughs> it, but the thing is, is like, okay, so it snowed and on my back deck. I could tell it snowed quite a bit because, you know, my deck was cold enough to hold it. But like, you know, by like 10 in the morning, all the snow was melted. Like, right. But it, it was wasn't just, that big a deal. It was yeah. just funny watching the meltdown, and I'm just like, yep, snow in April, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so what? what's one thing that you guys have listened to during the pandemic that you should think everybody should check out? Um, I'd say Jell's new record for sure. Jell rules. Their new record is awesome. I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called, but I've really been enjoying that. Uh, I've been listening to uh, the new Fame record and also um, an old friend of mine that I knew through Hardcore. uh, They're doing music under the name now Kill a Man's Ego out of Philly. Um, Some electronic stuff. I've been listening to that. Um, In fact, they just dropped something... Tuesday on Spotify, I believe. I can't remember the name of the track. I've just been uh, 
listening to things on shuffle. I kind of haven't really, <laughs> I'm, I'm not really uh, up to date. This pa the past year, really, I haven't really been, because I don't see, no, normally, you know, being at shows is kind of, kind of gives me, you know, more inspiration to, I guess, kind of like look, like pay more attention to what's going on with bands and like releases and stuff. Um, so I'm not really as uh, up to date. Yeah. In terms of, uh, records that are like in our local circle, uh, Rock's new record is fucking great. Um, they're the homies. But um, outside of hard, I haven't really been listening to a lot of hardcore releases. Um, yeah. oh God, not really. Um, it's oh, been. I just listened to your sister's record, Siobhan. Oh, oh my God! I'm gonna tell her that she's gonna be so happy. Yeah, I, yeah. I bought that on the last uh, Bandcamp Friday. Finally, Thank listen to it. I'll tell her. Wait, yeah. shout shout it out! Come on. Uh, my oh, sister, Natalie Fiddler, she's got a record uh, called Steak and Eggs. It came out about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, yeah. I think, if I'm thinking correctly, pretty fucking good, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I've just been keeping up with EBM and goth releases, honestly. Has anybody listened to the new Undeath record? Oh, shit. Didn't we listen to that in your living room recently? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that and the new Sangua record. Really Thank good. Thank Yes. <laughs> Trying to think of anything. Else Call me to listen to the new metal twins, but we're really the death metal twins. If we're really <laughs> uh, Red bait. I've been listening to Caged, um, and then uh, I'm trying to think of anything newer because obviously everything else I've been listening to is King Horse, Unbroken, Endpoint. You know, um, the new Tsunami and Gold Split is really good. I just oh, got I just got that in the mail. I haven't listened to it yet. Just came. I like Tuesday. Fun. How did I forget to mention that? But yeah, yeah, they're the best. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for being on the show. It's been awesome. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, this has been fantastic. So, um, you know, everybody, make sure you go. Uh, you go check them out. Let me see, pull up. You want to shout out your Bandcamp or your your Instagram? Yeah, totally. Um, follow <laughs> us on Instagram. Uh, we are Optimal Crime MN. Yes. And then you, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, the whole nine yards. Um, I think Bandcamp were just OptimalCrime.Bandcamp.com, correct? Or do we have MN on that too? Let me... I think it's just optimal crime, but we're the only optimal crime, so you can find us pretty easily. Yeah, the only one. The only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're the only one. That's well, th sure. thank you guys so much for being on. Everybody, check out Optimal Crime, uh, and um, the 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 EP is pretty fantastic. And we'll play a track from that here. Damn!